Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell today. I am really excited to have back on one of the smartest, one of the most hardworking, one of the most insightful people at ESPN to talk about this rookie class in the context of a feature I love to do each and every year, our yearly annual dynasty rookie draft of players from the 2023 NFL draft. Joining us today is ESPN's Mike Clay. Mike, how are you, my friend? Hey, uh, hey, Bill, I'm doing great. Um, you know, it's always it's it's funny. We work all throughout the season, right? And then, you know, right after the season ends, you might think we get a break, but it's really just working all the way through the draft. And we're putting our our ESPN Fantasy Magazine together now, so mm-hmm. I'm finally just starting to get a little breather from the you know from August. So uh, <laughs> it's nice to do that, uh, kind of settle back in now and kind of look at all the work we've done, and, and now sit down with you and do a little bit of a a dynasty draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, as someone who does the projections for us at ESPN, who thinks about things on a week-to-week basis, but also a season-long basis, um, love to lean on you for your insight and also just, you know, your perspective on on these guys in terms of their careers, not just for this upcoming season, but of course, in the context of a dynasty draft, the years to come. Um, and, and I think now that stuff is settled from the draft, we get some insight into maybe, uh, you know, not just the initial thoughts about what a guy's landing spot looks like, but also what that means in terms of the big picture. Obviously, you know, some players where you might have hoped they would have landed somewhere and they land somewhere where there's some competition, but maybe, you know, you could see a scenario a year or two from now where stuff breaks out or maybe a scenario where things don't look quite as appealing as maybe they did on draft night. So really excited to hit this with you. Um, always feel like I learn a lot each year when we do this exercise, always changes the way I view this incoming draft class. And, I wanted to do a, I forget whether we've done super flex in years past. I feel like we've gone back and forth, but I feel Mm -hmm. like this was a good year to do a super flex draft because there are several quarterbacks who figure into the conversation this year that really sort of impact how you might go through the first round of a, a super flex dynasty rookie draft. So Mike, of course you are the, you are the, uh, the guest, I feel like you should go first. And uh, frankly, I want you to go first because I think it is maybe a tougher decision than it might seem. So please, Mike. Yeah, I actually don't agree with you. I don't think this is a, a tough decision. Super really? Fle- I mean, certainly if we were not doing su- Superflex, it's a layup that you're going B. John Robinson. Um, maybe you think about it for a minute or not even a minute, maybe like 10 seconds you think about it in Superflex. But no, not for me. I, you know, I, I think it might be a different conversation if we had a clear cut number one you know, Andrew Luck type superstar mm-hmm. quarterback that went first overall, but it's a little bit more crowded at the top, as we'll get to here in a few minutes. You know, it's mm-hmm. hard to, you know, everyone kind of has a different opinion on who that number one guy is. But um, look, I look at Bijan Robinson, the eighth overall pick at the, in the draft and say, look, this is the next, you know, Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, whoever you want to, you know, Zeke, you know, whoever you want to compare him to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy that should be a superstar fantasy asset from day one and you know look he's i have him ranked in my top five at running back for this year you know he's probably the number one dynasty running back as well uh you're going to get some pushback which is is common with rookies which is how can you invest this much in a guy that's never played uh down in the nfl but you know we have the last decade to look at bill and Mm -hmm. you look at the last six running backs picked in the top 10 uh they were all top 10 fantasy running backs as rookies, all mm-hmm. six of them, Zeke, Barkley, Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Trent Richardson, and Christian McCaffrey, who McCaffrey, remember, only had 435 rushing yards. He was barely used yeah. as a rusher. It was all in the passing game. And uh, that's notable here because Robinson, yeah, we expect him to carry the ball a ton. He should clear 200 carries pretty easily, even with uh, Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier there. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be a major, major factor in the passing game for sure. The guy is just a, a, an offensive weapon, and he's going to be injected into this extremely run-heavy offense. So, uh, yeah, I think he just follows the the path of these other early first-round rookies and has a, a huge rookie season and is a feature back for quite a long time, only 21 years old, super young. Some of these quarterbacks are a year-plus older than him as well. So uh, I think he's well worth, go- even in Superflex, selecting over any of these quarterbacks. Interesting. I... I lean on your judgment. You are the expert here. I, I, I guess I'll just ask, you know, is there anything that would give you pause? Like if you were going to say, 
this would be my concern with Bijan Robinson, whether it's injury history, whether it's the competition in Atlanta, whether it's the offense. Is there anything that would give you any hesitation to not have Bijan Robinson be, you know, graded right alongside those great running backs in the top 10 from years past? I th- well, it, compared to the other running backs, not necessarily. Um, just in general, it would be you know if you're investing a, a first round uh, redraft pick or mm-hmm. your first the first overall pick in a super flex draft, it would just be the nature of the position, right? You know, it was uh, believe it or not, last year was actually a good year in terms of running back injuries, and it still felt like a disappointment. It was still like <laughs> like the middle the middle of drafts was still the best spot to attack running back last year in a good year for running back health. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just shows you how tough the position is, but. Um, I, I think in terms of relative to other, you know, past top 10 running backs, it might be the offense just because what if Desmond Ritter really struggles and Arthur Smith is not just can't get the job done as a play caller and doesn't utilize him as much as we had hoped, kind of like, you know, Kyle Pitts was a disappointment and mm-hmm. Drake London started so well and then fell off last year, although all things considered had a pretty good rookie year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stuck with Mar- Marcus Mariota so long. It's just a you know, people are really frustrated with his utilization of some of these guys, but I will say this, it was a very low volume offense. It was an aggressive offense when they were throwing the ball. We know that's the the nature of the beast with Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. but the, the target shares for Pitts in London were massive, right? They were mm-hmm. massive. I mean, Mark Andrews was the only tight end with a higher target share than Kyle Pitts at, at 28% was Pitts and London was at 29, which mm-hmm. was one of the highest in the NFL as well. So when they did throw the ball, they featured those two guys. And I think we're going to see something similar with, Robinson's usage, right? When, when they're, you know, they're going to snap the ball, he's going to be factored in, in some capacity uh, into the offense. I think maybe, maybe Tyler Alger, Tyler Alger was really good last year. Yeah. Right. So maybe him at being at two, 224 pounds coming off a good rookie year, maybe he steals some, you know, more carries than we're expecting. And Robinson ends up closer to like 200 carries instead of 250. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't think you spend the eighth overall pick and then do that. Right. And and we have a lot of history that tells us that that won't be the case. Robinson should be a 300 plus touch player. Yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, to me, I'm almost less concerned about Algier than I am about, Pitts in London, where you have two guys who were also taken in the top 10, where you have now, I mean, three players who should get, of course, a ton of volume, and, and any offense can support three players getting a lot of volume if it's very concentrated within those three guys. But I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how this offense plays out. Like you said, um, volume was not necessarily there, but it was super efficient. It was like, I think, in, in the top 12 in DVOA last year. So it wasn't that the offense mm-hmm. was bad. It just wasn't what people who had Kyle Pitts or Drake London and fantasy football were hoping for necessarily but i mean so many exciting playmakers on this offense major question mark at quarterback um in a dome could be an opportunity for shootouts if you know the defense does struggle which i think we you know a lot of people expect for the defense not to be very good again here in 2023 so such a interesting range of outcomes but you know bishan robinson like you said um you know the, the draft capital the the history the production makes you think he has a pretty high floor and then a really exciting ceiling as well mm-hmm. yeah very light schedule by the way for the nfc mm-hmm. south this year as well part of that is because that division is not too good right uh, with uh you know Derek Carr is easily the best short-term quarterback you know you'd expect mm-hmm. bryce young to be that long term but for now it's you know it's sarah car new orleans and you're talking about bryce young and and again desmond ritter and of course either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay. So on top of that, and, and then yeah, factor in the rest of the schedule, it looks pretty good. I mean, it's kind of hilarious to look at the Saints schedule, for example. I mean, Atlantis is right there as well, but especially mm-hmm. the Saints schedule, yeah. the quarterbacks are going to face this year. It's like, all right, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields. That's like, I guess they have, uh, I think they have Jacksonville. If not, yeah, they have Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. That's like, that's the best quarterbacks they're going to play <laughs> this season. And that applies to most of this division. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps when you are trying to win a division title and trying to compete in fantasy football as well. So absolutely, uh, a a really interesting landing spot for Bijan Robinson at Atlanta. But, you know, I think you can raise some questions, but certainly no one's going to fault you for taking Bijan Robinson first overall in any kind of fantasy draft this upcoming season, or any type of dynasty draft, I should say. Um, at two... Yeah. I think I think I think I have to go to Anthony Richardson All and right. <laughs> and I I you know I I guess there's obviously a lot of projectability here, of course. I mean, we haven't seen him do much at all in college. This guy only had a handful uh, of starts at the college level, but just a 
incredibly exciting athlete with with huge upside um landing and i think a great landing spot you know maybe jonathan taylor's presence hurts him in terms of having some some touchdown equity near the goal line but i think a situation where he's going to have time to grow he has a good coaching staff by all accounts some playmakers there not as good as other places certainly but a solid playmaker group an offensive line that i thought was good heading into last year and was a disaster last year but I just, I think about someone like Randall Cunningham, where in a, obviously a very different sport um, in football, you know, 30 years ago, Randall Cunningham had three top four finishes in fantasy football, not at quarterback, just in general. Um, you know, a guy who, ha- you know, has that sort of really significant upside where, you know, he could be a version of Lamar Jackson. He could be a league winner for you if things break right. So, this is a much much lower floor than than Bijan Robinson, but I think the ceiling with Anthony Richardson in, in a superflex, not in a standard league, in a superflex, is just so incredibly exciting. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that is probably the the certainly quarterback uh, is the next best pick here. I mean, you can make a case for Jameer Gibbs. We'll talk about uh, mm-hmm. shortly, but um, I, I'm totally fine pivoting to quarterback at this spot. It just comes down to do you buy? Do you play it kind of safer with like a Bryce Young or a a CJ Stroud who you believe could be a good pocket passer and be a perennial back in QB one, you know, think about like a, a Rogers Brady Stafford sort of fantasy producer, you know, not necessarily saying they get to that level. Um, but in terms of fantasy production through the air, can they get there? Or do you take the riskier Anthony Richardson who may have a higher ceiling because of what he does with his legs, but is obviously extremely risky because of his, inexperience at Florida as well as his horrific passing efficiency. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I mean, Richardson could be, or let me put it this way. Young and Stroud could be top 10 passers in the NFL and struggle for quarterback one production because they don't run much. And Richardson mm-hmm. could be a below average passer and be an outstanding fantasy quarterback because of what he does with his legs. And no question. Um, and then that applies short term too, by the way, because if you look back at, the quarterbacks who have been successful in fantasy as rookies. In fact, since 2011, eight quarterbacks have been 13th or better in fantasy points as rookies. All of them were productive with their legs. Mm -hmm. All eight had at least 213 rushing yards. They averaged over 440 and all of them had at least four rushing touchdowns. And if you line up those three quarterbacks, Stroud, Young and Richardson and say, do any of these three have a chance to get there? I mean, Richardson absolutely should blow by these numbers if he's healthy for 15 plus games. The other two might not get there. You know, they're both, both of them did very little with their legs at the college level, especially Stroud. And and they just may be pocket quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm with you. I, t- I totally get the appeal of going Richardson. It's just, uh, he's a tricky one to figure yes. out because if he's, uh, like if he struggles throwing the ball, you know, I think, you know, the other day on the fantasy focus podcast field brought up Trey Lance as an example, you know, mm-hmm. just no question, you know, if he's just not an effective passer, it's not going to matter much. He'll end up getting benched for Gardner Minshew. So that's really the risk you're taking here. Mm-hmm. In terms of how do I want to ask this question? We don't know if he's going to start this year, but just in terms of how you project him for this upcoming season, not just in, in dynasty fantasy football, but just in a, a more traditional season-long league, where would you be willing to draft Anthony Richardson given the upside? Like, is he just a player you're not willing to take until you mm-hmm. you see him get the starting job? You, uh, maybe you guy want, a guy you want to highlight on waivers, or are you comfortable drafting him in season-long drafts? Yeah, so here's the thing. He's he's a guy I would love to take in the later rounds as a flyer, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of throw on my bench there, use for trade bait. Maybe he does emerge as a QB1. Maybe he explodes out of the gate like Robert Griffin was, where remember RG3 was yep. a was the was the QB1 uh, early on in his career. Um, but the problem is uh, people are looking at that rushing ability and athleticism and drafting him very early. I mean, he's going around Dak Prescott and Tua ahead of guys like Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, who was a QB one last year, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Geno Smith was QB five last year. He's going ahead of him. So um, that's, that's what makes it tricky, right? Because you, that's, there's, there's a lot of certified good quarterbacks, certainly in fantasy that you can, you can go with and, you know, think about Mahomes, Allen Hurts is the big tier and then Burrow and Lamar Jackson and then Fields, Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, it's 39, right? So if you're in a 10, 12 team league, that's, that's really where you're going to, what you're going to look at for your starting QB one. After that, 
there's probably more risk. I mean, if you went, if you, if those nine guys are off the board and then you want to take a shot on, on Richardson and then to maybe take a safer fallback, mm-hmm. um, like a, a, I don't know, a Rogers or Jared Goff or Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, one of those guys, I, I guess that's fine, but you still have, again, you still have Prescott and cousins and Jones and Tua who was outstanding when he played last year and Rogers now with the jets. I mean, you don't have to really take that risk in that range and you could still get a mid to back end QB one. And honestly, I'm just not like, I, I know Richardson maybe because of his legs has that elite ceiling, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's more likely than any of those guys I just mentioned to be a, you know, a mid range QB one and, and he's riskier. So it just, he's going too early for me. I'd love to have him on my bench. Don't get me wrong, but just where he's going and the quarterbacks he's up against, it just seems like a little much for me. Yeah. I can totally understand that. Who do you have with the third overall pick? Um, So third pick again, it's tempting to go quarterback, um, you know, go with Bryce or Stroud in a super flex, but you know, I just talked about all the success top 10 running backs have had uh, in over the last decade or so. And Jamar Gibbs just missed that cut. He went 12th overall, right? And he, he was clearly um, highly regarded by the Lions. He's not quite as big. I do worry about the frame a little bit, 5'9", 199. But the fact that he has that pedigree and joins a Lions offense that led the NFL in, in fantasy points last year. Mm-hmm. The Lions running back room had the most fantasy points and touchdowns last year uh so i'm gonna go gibbs here you know he's gonna team up with david montgomery montgomery's much bigger he's gonna be busy at the goal line for sure but remember even in this gibbs is essentially replacing deandre swift right that role uh and then some but deandre swift with all his problems with all his injuries he's been top 25 in fantasy points per game every year of his career he has at least seven touchdowns every year of his career and this line, you know, Gibbs is going to work behind this elite Lions offensive line. It's just it's a recipe for a lot of success out of the gate. So, again, I'm I'm a little worried about the ceiling. He certainly doesn't have Robinson ceiling, but I do think he's going to be an RB2 right out of the gate. Maybe a top 15 running back mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Super young, just really a lot to like in a good situation behind a, an offensive line. It's going to be really good for a long time. So I'm going to get Gibbs on my roster here. I, I really like him. Mm-hmm. So the the Montgomery thing is really interesting because I, I don't know when the Lions decided they love Jameer Gibbs, but whether they decided that in February or at the Combine or after free agency, maybe they didn't think they'd have a shot at getting him. Or they, they didn't think, I guess they were at six. They could have taken him at six. They, they you know they traded down and then uh, got Gibbs at twelve. But I just, it seems so weird to me that they would go out and sign David Montgomery, which is not a huge deal, but still a meaningful deal to take the, the Jamal Williams role in this offense and then go out and get Gibbs to take over the, you know, some some more significant version of the DeAndre Swift situation. Now, obviously, Montgomery doesn't have to be there in the long term. They can move on from him after one year, more realistically, too, but at least one year there in Detroit. But does that give you any pause or is it just the draft capital so enticing to you that that that's going to overwhelm the short-term concerns about someone like Montgomery on the roster? Yeah, a little, a little pause on the ceiling, but then again, I mean, uh, who's a guy with a similar frame to again, and, and I understand he's an exception to the rule, but a guy that's built similarly is Austin Eckler, right? Yep. And, you know, you've seen Alvin Kamara be a, and, and even Christian McCaffrey who's bigger, but I mean, these are guys that have done most of their damage in the passing game and have been outstanding in, in fantasy, um, so that, that allows me to feel a little better about the situation, right? Can you be an RB one in fantasy consistently with say 150 carries? Yeah, we've seen that. Right. So, um, I, or, you know, maybe 150 to 200 in that range. And that's kind of what my expectation is, uh, here for Jamar Gibbs. In fact, this season, I have him again, ranked as like a mid range RB two. I have him with 166 carries and 47 catches so if he you know if he stays healthy and plays every game it's gonna the numbers will be above that so mm-hmm. no I, you know i'm not really worried about it and by the way i think that the thought process there is okay we lost jamal williams we need to replace him that's david montgomery and then i think we we all kind of knew in the back of our head it seemed like deandre swift's days were probably numbered with the lions mm-hmm. it just seemed ev- inevitable i remember we did a a podcast segment just kind of speculating on trades and i had him being traded to the chiefs like and this mm-hmm. is months ago so there wasn't really a shock that they were ready to move on. And because of that, because they already kind of knew he was gone, they they replaced him with Gibbs and then traded away Swift. So they wanted that one-two punch. And we can argue all day about 
if they should be spending so much on running backs, which uh, it's a lot of a lot of investment there. I don't necessarily agree with the the game plan, for sure. um, especially for a team that struggled so badly on de- on defense. I mean, that mm-hmm. crushed them last year. The offense was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but they they did. That's their priority, and and they spent their assets there. So. Um, I, I, I just think behind that line too, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of room for a lot of production for two backs. And I expect both of them to be top 25 fantasy running backs this season. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, there's, there's, we can talk about whether it was a good idea. It's a different podcast, but the reality is it is, you know, this is what the situation is and, you know, play the cards as they're dealt. And I think Jameer Gibbs is in a really exciting spot in Detroit, like Bishon Robinson, also indoors at home, which is going to help, um, you know, for a guy with his speed and his catching ability, I think he's going to have a big role, you know, a meaningful role from the jump. And then, you know, a role that's hopefully going to grow even bigger as mm-hmm. the year goes on and into 2024 and beyond. Um, as I sit here at four, <laughs> it's kind of tough. I feel like, you know, you could make a case for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, I, I lean towards Bryce Young just because I think he's, a quarterback I'm a little more optimistic about in terms of his situation. I I like what Carolina's built in terms of the offensive infrastructure. I think the offensive line is better than maybe people give it credit for. I think they were able to field a, a solid running game last year behind that line. Hopefully should be the case again this year. Um, and then I think just I, I have a lot of faith in Frank Reich. I think he's been a very good coach. I know that didn't end well in Indianapolis, but I think on the whole – He's gotten more out of the quarterbacks he's had than the other coaches who have had those same quarterbacks outside of, again, of course, last year being the exception. Receivers, you know, they're okay. They're not going to blow me away. They miss DJ more, obviously. But I just think Bryce Young is a a player who's going to step in, look like a pro. He's going to belong from day one. A player who, you know, his skill set, what he does in the field, his ability to read the whole field, his ability to set and reset projections. You know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to run for crazy yardage or anything but i think he's a player who is going to be smart you know when there are opportunities to run he's athletic enough to take those opportunities and run for first downs and you know pick up safe yardage which is you know good for fantasy football and good for real football as well and i just think you know i have a lot of faith that he's going to be put in a position to succeed so you know i think cj stroud might have a more exciting skill set especially for fantasy football but i think young is just in a better spot to be um, a player who succeeds in 2023 and and into the years to follow as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. That's that would have been my pick as well. Again, just just the modern NFL, the modern fantasy football game. It's so important to add value with your legs. That's really the concern with Young and Stroud. And sometimes that changes, right? Sometimes they, for example, C.J. Stroud, just a pure pocket passer, and in college, have added very little with his legs. Um, and you know, maybe that changes in the pros, maybe he's still very young and that's something that, you know, guys aren't going to be as wide open in the, in the NFL. Maybe he runs a little more than we expect. And, uh, he ends up rushing for 300 yards a season and three or four touchdowns. And that's going to be enough to, to help kind of boost his fantasy appeal. So, uh, and that could be the same thing for, for Bryce Young, of course. Uh, one thing I would say though, is just keep kind of expectations in check short term year two is really the breakout age for quarterback. So, Whereas Richardson's legs could put him on the fantasy radar right away. Uh, it's probably going to be a struggle for Young and Stroud to come anywhere close to QB1 production out of the gate. In fact, if you look at even quarterbacks since since 2011, 12 quarterbacks were picked first or second and played in at least 10 games. Those 12 averaged a little under 3,400 yards and 17.4 passing touchdowns, right? So uh, and that's some that's some superstars. That's that's think about that first and second overall pick. Some of them guys made a huge leap in year two and became stars. So uh, just you know, you take those guys even in a super flex league, maybe you get mid to back in QB one QB two numbers out of the gate, and then uh, you kind of hope they make that year two leap. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, you are up at f- at five. I am. So you took you again, you're making my choices kind of easy here for the most part. Right. So you took you took Bryce. I'll take Stroud. I'll, okay. I'll take CJ Stroud. Uh, very much like Bryce Young uh, checks a lot of boxes as a passer. Right. Uh, you know, good arm, outstanding accuracy at Ohio State. Um, but unlike Young, he's the size. Right. Nobody's worried about that. You know, Young's 5'10", 204, Stroud 6'3", 214. Um, he has the frame, has the in absurd efficiency. You can almost mm-hmm. say you can almost make a case he was more efficient than Young was at the college level. Certainly, statistically, the categories he led this class in: completion rate, yards per attempt, catchable pass rate, QB rating, QBR, 
all that fun stuff. So again, we're, I'm knocking him a little over the rushing. I've already talked about that, but uh, he is a lot of upside as an NFL passer and Houston, you know, headed the right direction. You know, that's another team that's improving their offensive line, much like Carolina, probably better than people realize mm-hmm. uh, the targets need some work for sure. Uh, that's a, a lot of uncertainty. A lot of guys battling for uh, that number one job even. So we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be a, it's going to be a work in progress, but I think it's a pretty good landing spot for a team that's going to be on the ascent here in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8SAVE. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Um, here's where it opens up now. We got those five guys out of the way. Now it's it's wide receiver time, I assume, at six. So this is a tough one. Um mm-hmm. I feel like whoever I pick, I'm worried you're going to say I'm the, I'm, I'm wrong. So I, <laughs> I, I, I want to trade down here if I could. But no, I, I will go with um, I will go with Quinton Johnston okay. here at six. And I think, you know, obviously with Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that would have been my other option. Maybe you go in a different direction. I'm interested to see what you think. But mm-hmm. I just think of the guys here, Johnston has the most clear path towards possibly being a number one receiver in two years. And mm-hmm. with Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously DK Metcalf is there with Jordan Addison. Obviously you have, um, you know, you have sorry, uh, Justin Jefferson. I, c- I couldn't think of the, the literal fantasy player one's name for a moment. <laughs> so that's not a good sign for me. Um, you say flowers who of course could be there, but we have questions about that offense and, and that's going to be, we'll talk about that. I'm sure in a minute, but I just think Johnston with, Keenan Allen coming to the end of his deal with Mike Williams on a short-term contract. Um, you know, the upside is there to be a a all levels number one receiver. I don't think he's as good as Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison, but I think the landing spot is so exciting to me for Quinton Johnston that I'm really optimistic that, you know, he could be the guy with Justin Herbert for the next five or six years. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I had uh, Johnson ahead of Smith and Jigba for a lot of the pre-draft process, and I ended up flip-flopping as more reports came in and you heard more quotes from scouts. And it just seemed that Smith and Jigba was the clear number one. Like that was the view of the league, and it's kind of a close call. Uh, so I kind of ended up leaning that direction. But I have no qualms with what you're saying. This is probably going to be Keenan Allen's. Uh, final year, you would imagine, as he's entering, you know, he's pushing for what his mid thirties now. I think he's thirty one, thir- turns thirty two, and mm-hmm. and Mike Williams has had his injury issues over the years, so no doubt about it. I certainly get the appeal. Um, I do again. I do have Smith and Jigba a little ahead. I would have leaned that direction, but it's a toss up. It really is. I mean, think about it. These guys were picked. What was it? Twentieth, twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third. The first receivers, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the receivers you just listed. Right. They were the only receivers picked in the first round, and they went all back to back to back to back. So, um, it's it's kind of pick your poison sort of thing. Uh, Smith and Jigba just looked, you know, looked awesome at the combine. Short area speed looks great. He should be a, just a one of the next best slot receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Lockett's getting up there as as well. So sure. maybe it's twenty twenty four that he steps in as the number two there as a really really good complement to. Uh, DK Metcalf and and look yeah Metcalf might be the number one there for the long term I think that's kind of our expectation um, but last year I mean you look at the top 15 or 20 fantasy receivers it is made up of a ton of duos I mean a ton of duos and that includes Seattle with with Metcalf and and Lockett but also AJ Brown Devontae Smith and you know on a points per game basis T Higgins and Jamar Chase are up there so um that there's just a lot of duos that get the job done. And if you're in a good offense, it, it can happen. So I, I, I'm not really too worried about that. I think if Smith and Jigba is the real deal, mm-hmm. this is a guy that can immediately join the, well, I shouldn't say immediately, but it will join the wide receiver to radar uh, once he's uh, one of the top two receivers in this offense. So you're taking him at seven then? 
I sure am. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it makes sense. And and I think you could, you know, no no issue taking him at six either. You know, there there's certainly a lot to to be impressed by. Certainly, look at, at what he did at Ohio State, not last year, but the year before. And I mean, he was every bit as good, if not better, than Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and those guys were superstars in the NFL in their first season with middling quarterback play. So. Smith and Jigba, I think, is super exciting prospect as well. Um, that leaves me at eight then. Mm-hmm. And I think I would lean towards Jordan Addison here. Like it. At eight. I I, I look at that offense, and obviously, you know, the, the ceiling is it's gonna be tough. You, you're never gonna get maybe never is the wrong word, but it's gonna be hard for you to get 180 180 targets a year with Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, being the other guy on that offense, but we've seen teams support two wide receivers playing at a high level. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are a perfect example. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, go back to another Bengals combination: uh, Chad Johnson and T.J. Spinzada. Like, right. like there's there's plenty of times offenses can support two superstars at wide receiver, even if it's not the dream scenario where you get Addison. You know, with a quarterback who is about to break out and he's the lead guy, of course that'd be great. And that was the hope, you know, coming out of this draft. But Minnesota is a very fine landing spot. They're a team that does not have a good defense, has a coach that is a quarterback-friendly coach. There's obviously questions about the quarterback situation in the future, but there's a chance they could upgrade on Kirk Cousins after this season when he's a free agent. Um, an analytically inclined team, so you think they're going to be pretty smart about wanting to throw the football. They play indoors. Um, lots of reasons I think to believe that Jordan Addison, even if that you had that initial kind of hit of oh, he's not going to get those opportunities behind Justin Jefferson, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe he's going to have plenty of chances to succeed. And oh, by the way, now he'll be playing in an offense where the other guy is going to get double coverage. He's going to get safety shaded his way. He's going to get defenses worried about him at all times. So Jordan Addison even if he doesn't get as many targets, maybe in a position where it's a little bit easier for him to succeed because he is the number two with a dominant number one in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. In terms of short-term landing spot, one of the best for sure. And of the four uh, rookie or the four first-round wide receivers, he definitely had the best landing spot in terms of a path to a number two job. So mm-hmm. um, I'm with you there. I like that. Uh, he I got a little nervous with him at the combine, the, the, uh, 44940 at 173 mm-hmm. pounds, red flag for sure. Yep. You know, um, hopefully that was fluky and, and he can kind of, uh, kind of put that to rest. And, and instead, you know, we see what we saw at college, right. He was extremely productive that 2021 season at Pitt, hundred catches that year, you know, almost 1600 yards, 17 touchdowns. You know, if he can work his way into kind of an Emmanuel Sanders, Tyler Lockett sort of role in the mm-hmm. pros, uh, that would be just fine. So not quite the ceiling, I think, of some of these other guys, especially at that size. But uh, uh, you got to love the landing spot. I don't I don't know if people realize this. You know, Kirk Cousins takes such a such a beating in the media all the time. Right. He's just mm-hmm. a, a, peak, a guy people like to pick on. Yep. But I mean, since he's gotten to Minnesota, the Vikings are sixth in offensive touchdowns. And over the last three years, they're fifth. The only people mm-hmm. ahead. Uh, in terms of you know quarterback play, Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, and Brady—they're the only; mm-hmm. uh, those are the only offenses ahead of the Kirk Cousins Vikings the last three seasons. So, um, you know, Addison could even be a sneaky guy for you know five, six, seven touchdowns this season. Absolutely, no question at all. Who do you have here then at the ninth pick? Yeah, this is tricky because this is an easy spot to get caught up in landing spot here. So mm-hmm. it, for me, it comes down to Zay Flowers in Baltimore, which is a, a tough one. You know, sure. there's some concerns there with the. Uh, you know, the potential for a low volume passing game continuing there. And also the other one would be pivoting to Dalton Kincaid at tight end, mm-hmm. right? And he lands in a really high volume pass heavy bills offense. So it's tough, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to chase the receiver here and go with <laughs> Zay flowers. I'm going to go with flowers. Um, the hope here will be that, you know, look, he, he could be the number one, um, you know, maybe, a little bit of a Chris Olave feel where last year we were like, well, Michael Thomas is there. So right. he might be brought on a brought, brought on a little slow. The offense might not be good. Um, suspect quarterback play, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, Thomas has tricky durability and obviously didn't play most of last season. And the same mm-hmm. kind of thing here with Odell Beckham, uh, not to mention around it, Rashad Bateman is the, the other competition there, a former first round pick who's had a ton of injury issues. 
Um, they do have Mark Andrews. We know he'll be featured in this offense. We know that Lamar Jackson, even if they open up the offense more, he's going to scramble a lot. That's going to take away volume. But um, I like the talent here. Uh, you know, I like Flowers. He's built kind of similar to Addison in that he's on the smaller side, but his speed was a little bit better and, and obviously was very productive at Boston College. So I'm just going to buy into uh, Mel Kuyper's number one <laughs> wide receiver. You know, a lot of people had him number one. Uh, he was very you know, popular player in the pre-draft process. And, uh, you know, I think that Baltimore has made an effort here to put weapons around uh, Lamar Jackson, and he's their potential long-term number one. And and by the way, that's a role that allowed Marquise Brown some pretty good fantasy mm-hmm. success. So, no you question. know, Flowers does is the real deal and takes that number one job either this year or next year, then there's going to be a chance for him to be a weekly starter in fantasy. So I will go Flowers here. Yeah, I mean, a player who... um. You know, Marquise Brown, the efficiency numbers were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the cumulative number is not always great, some of which was injury, some of which was just them not throwing very often. But if they throw more, which is certainly seems like it's in the realm of possibilities for this upcoming season, and if Odell Beckham gets hurt, if Rashad Bateman gets hurt, both of whom have been injured plenty in years past, open up an opportunity for, say, Flowers to be the number one as early as this season. And um, absolutely think that he is in a great spot, a guy who, you know, like... I don't want to, I feel bad saying this because it's maybe a little unfair, but remember the Brendan Ayuk stuff in year two where Kyle Shanahan got on him for like not blocking and maybe it cost him some snaps early in the season and kind of he had to work his way out of that. You know, Zay Flowers is a guy who has a such a great reputation coming out of college as a guy who's a fighter, someone who's, mm-hmm. a, who's a blocker, someone who's going to give his all, like a guy who coaches are going to want to play. And, you know, the, 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 he's going to get an opportunity to play anyway because he's a number one pick. But, um, you know, I just think, He's a guy who coaches are going to try to fight to have more reasons to get him on the field. So I, I think there's going to be no issue with getting him on the field there. And I think he's going to play a lot and be effective. So I think no issue taking him with the ninth overall pick. Yep, I'll finish up. Yeah. I'll finish up what we call the first round here. We'll do the first, we'll do this as the final pick of the first round and then do kind of a lightning second round. I'll, I'll, I'll take Kincaid. I'm a little nervous. I mean, he is a little bit older than you might like for some of your prospects. He is a player who, you know, really only one significant season at school. Um, you know, at Utah, he had a good year at San Diego, but that was, you know, at a, at a different level. Um, you know, a guy who I think you can see the, the path to being the number two receiver in a very exciting passing offense. And I think the Bills really realized their issues after last season where they did struggle where they had sort of a season similar to the 2021 chiefs where they um you know they struggled to move the ball consistently they weren't as effective when it came to throwing the ball because teams were not afraid of them running the football and we saw the chiefs fix that by going out and getting isaiah pacheco going with more two tight end three tight end sets post tyree kill and it worked for that offense they won a super bowl the bills i think Kincaid is not a blocker. I mean, he's not Mike Gesicki, but he's not even Travis Kelsey when it comes to blocking. But I think Kincaid is their move to go towards more 12 personnel. It's going to be more Damian Harris at running back and Kincaid and Dawson Knox at tight end. And I think they're going to give him the opportunity to get mismatches. I think he's going to see a lot of linebackers. He's going to see a lot of safeties and coverage. And I think, you know, he's going to be a player who will have opportunities to be a a player out of the slot for the Bills. So I, I think he's not a traditional inline tight end, but I do think the upside is there to be a, you know, again, sort of closer to Gesicki than Kelsey, but a player who could be the number two receiver in a really good, exciting, dynamic passing offense with Josh Allen for years to come. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, you know, initially I was a little worried about his short-term production just because, first of all, rookie tight ends not known for doing much damage uh, sure. from a fantasy sure. perspective. It usually takes a while, you're two or three. Um, also, Dawson Knox is there, right? Sometimes those guys get drafted. You th- even someone like a Sam Laporta, for example, right? He goes to Detroit and could be the number one right away. Whereas Buffalo, you're probably still even a good a good veteran in Dawson Knox who you just resigned. That's probably going to play a ton of snaps, right? He played more snaps per game than Stephon Diggs did last season, right? So he's going to have a role uh, in that offense. And and I was worried like Kincaid's probably going to trail him for a chunk of the season and usage. The snaps might not be there. The targets might not be there. Maybe he passes him eventually, but, you know, just following it more closely and listening to the commentary, uh, the, the commentary essentially is, look, when Kincaid's on the field with Knox, we still view that as 11. You know, he's essentially yeah. going to be a wide receiver, not a tight end. So 
Um, I've come around on that and I boosted his target share a little bit as a result because look at this. They have Stefan Diggs. They have Gabriel Davis, who is basically Marcus Valdez Scantling at this point. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he's being utilized. He's just a, a low percentage target vertical situational player. Uh, right. He's out in the field a lot, but they're just not throwing to him enough. And then it's battling for their number three job. And keep in mind, this is a, an extremely pass heavy, high scoring offense. Khalil Shakir was a fifth rounder last year. Deontay Hardy, who comes over from the Saints and Trent Sherfield. They also took Justin Shorter in the fifth round. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the guys competing for the three job. So that really should be Kincaid's job right there. So I'm with you. It might take a month or so, but I think Kincaid could be as high as second or third in terms of tar- target priority in one of the league's best offenses. So uh, like that and like him long-term, obviously a first round tight end. There's a lot of success stories there. Uh, even if they got off to a slow start, this is a guy that should be a tight end one for a long time in fantasy circle. So uh, I'm with you there. I think that was the right call. Yeah, I mean, someone like TJ Hawkinson, you know, hasn't had that sort of like blow away, oh my God, this is the best tight end in football season. But he still had two top five finishes at mm-hmm. tight end in four years to start his career and is incredibly well positioned, even with the addition of, just, of uh, Jordan Addison in Minnesota to be, you know, a focal point of that offense for years to come. So uh, absolutely. I think that, you know, it might be a slow start, but certainly, like you said, guy who has a really good spot for the years to come. Let's lightning round here through 10 picks in the second round to finish up. So uh, I went with Kincaid at 10. Please, Mike, start us at 11 with your pick for our, our lightning round. Yeah, sure. So uh, Sky Moore did not work out last year as our, you know, a popular sleeper as he joined the high scoring Chiefs offense. So let's just do it again with another second round <laughs> receiver. Um, I'll go over Shee Rice, second rounder out of SMU. Uh, again, just wide open, wide wide receiver depth chart there in Kansas City. So I'll take a shot on Rice here and and hope he's the real deal. If he is, I mean, look out, he could be he could be Patrick Holmes' number one receiver almost immediately. For sure, the upside is incredibly high with Rishi Rice in Kansas City. Um, I'll go Devin A-Chain at 12. Maybe it's a, it's chasing running backs a little bit, um, but certainly that Dolphins running back room was not good last year. They were very efficient by next-gen stats in terms of blocking, but very mediocre running. I think their running backs were number or 32 in the NFL, worse than the NFL when it came to rush yards over expectation. So I think there's a big opportunity there. And Devin A-Chain, of course, any, any Kyle Shanahan disciple offense you know the upside for the running back so i'll go Devin a chain there uh at 12. wow i'm see this is uh that i'm way low on him i don't even have, i have him eighth at running back wow. just too, too okay. tiny too tiny five eight not, one not eight wrong not, yeah not just no wrong. just no fantasy upside there i, I don't think right I, I just and also his pass catching efficiency um awful awful at the college level i have major major concerns i i see speed i see big plays at times, I see a very, very limited upside in, mm-hmm. in fantasy there. Fair enough. Okay, what's your next pick? Um, so I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on uh, on Will Levis here, but I'm going to stick with the second round receiver, uh, Marvin Mims. I'm going to yeah. go to Denver. Uh, that's a team that did not really have a need at wide receiver and still took Marvin Mims. So they clearly like him a lot. And, uh, you know, Sean Payton's there. If he gets Russell Wilson turned around the next few seasons, uh, Mims could be, uh, you know, a, a fantasy starter. So uh, I'll go Mims here. Yeah, I mean, certainly they traded up to get him. They had very limited draft capital to begin with. Mm-hmm. Certainly tells you what Sean Payton thought about uh, Marvin Mims being a significant player in that offense. And once they trade, or if they do trade one of those receivers, suddenly o- opportunities open up for for Marvin Mims to be a focal point of that offense. I'll stick with the wide receivers. I'll go with Jalen Hyatt with the Giants, okay. where I think there's, you know, again, speed is, is the key word here. Maybe not a complete skill set, but intrigued about his upside. Clearly, the Giants needed a downfield weapon. They have Darius Slayton, but this is a, a coaching staff that didn't have much faith in him last season until they had no choice but to play him. Um, lots of twos and threes in that receiving group. I think Jalen Hyatt can be a a speed threat in year one and maybe even a a number one receiver for the Giants as, as early as 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that, uh, and and I'll just keep following this suit here. Um, actually, you went you went a third round receiver. I'm going to go back yes. to round two for receiver and go Jaden Reed uh, mm-hmm. again. Another guy that could play a little older actually than some of these other guys, but uh, an opportunity to play right away. And look, if Jordan Love is even okay as a passer, and Reed locks down the number two job opposite Christian Watson, he could be in for a big role right out of the gate. And again, second round pedigree here. They yeah. like him a lot. I know yeah. that he was drafted before a lot of people thought he would be, but. Um, a lot of opportunity here. And, and again, I'm generally going to chase pedigree and, and I like him in the round in uh, round two here. 
Yeah, I'll go with Michael Mayer. I'll go back to the second round for a tight end here in Mayer. You know, he's been such like a just feel like people are bored with, with Michael Mayer before he's even entered the NFL. You know, there's just so much more exciting yeah. tight end prospects. But the comps here have been to guys like Jason Witten, to you know, guys who are inline tight ends who, who played forever and who were successful forever. And maybe that's unfair. You know, may, maybe it's tough to be that kind of player. But I mean, those guys can have such long careers and be such impactful players. Having even a, a good tight end who's solid is, is such a valuable piece in fantasy football. So. You know, I think that's going to be an exciting offense. I think there's going to be more more opportunities to go around after this season. You know, with Devontae Adams maybe slipping, with Hunter Renfro being possibly cut after this year. Um, I think Mayer could be a number two receiver in that offense as as early as next season. So I just think boring pick, but I think a high floor pick a tight end. Yeah, I like that a lot. Totally could see, you know, Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, you know, sort of fantasy production. So uh, if you get long-term mid-range tight end one numbers, it's that's fantastic. So yeah. um, like that, um, I will, you know, go back to the, you know, we're thinking super flex here. So I'll go with a second round quarterback, which I don't like to do because the hit rate is so poor, but um, I'm finding myself becoming a little bit of a Will Levis uh, apologist here. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with him. Um, obviously good size, but also, again, we keep harping on this rushing production you know back in 2021 you take away sacks which are in the rushing numbers at the college level 514 yards and nine carries on 85 carries now he was hurt a lot last year those numbers dropped but um you know we were tricked by that before with josh allen who didn't run a lot his final year and then uh, as he did earlier in his career and look what he's done in the pros so um this is a guy that could be starting this season if they fall out of contention i don't think the titans are very good Uh, you know maybe mike brabel gets the most out of them and they hang in there in the race in that division but um, I think Will Levis might make some starts and that combination of size. And and I like the way he threw the ball at the combine combined with the rushing ability. Intriguing for me. So in super flex at this point, I'll take it. I'll take a dart throw. Yeah. I don't blame you there at all. Um, at 18, I will, whew, I'll take the bullet and I'll go with Zach Charbonnet. I'm not okay. thrilled about the landing spot, but you know, again, like I think there's this, there's this opinion that, Oh, well they already have Kenneth Walker. They use the same draft capital. On, on Kenneth Walker that they used on, on Zach Charbonnet. They used a second-round pick on Kenneth Walker a year ago. He was at 41. Zach Charbonnet, where was he in the first round or second round this year? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, was 44 or something. 52. Um, it was 52. So 52, that, there you go. A little lower, but not that far off. And I think it tells you, you know, that they're – Kenneth Walker's obviously a very exciting player, but he was the least efficient back in football in terms of success rate last year, in terms of consistency. So obviously he can hit those home runs, but – you know, I think that tells you that Seahawks, number one, want to keep committing to running the football. And number two, think that Zach Charbonnet is is going to play a meaningful role. So obviously you need a Kenneth Walker injury to pay off to be an absolute superstar. But um, I think he's going to have a bigger role than maybe people think. Yeah, it's too bad. It shows you just how much landing spot matters, because of imagine course. if uh, he got drafted by Cincinnati and they cut Joe Mixon. Yep. I mean, we'd be talking about Charbonnet as an RB2 right now with no RB1 upside as a rookie and instead... He's basically the one B in that backfield. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Kenneth Walker fan, super efficient as a rusher, and then Charbonnet, uh, the better pass catcher, you know, so he could have somewhat of a role there. Remember, Travis Homer left as well. Uh, he had a bit of a role in the passing game there. It just that that means touches. That means maybe he gets 8 to 12 touches, but in terms of fantasy output, it's going to be a tough road for Charbonnet uh, in the short term. So definitely uh, understand where you're coming from there. Um, and my last pick, right? I'm at, yep. we're at 19 here. Uh, cool. I have one guy that stands out like a sore thrum and it's the last second round wide receiver, uh, Jonathan Mingo. Yep. And in terms of a guy who landed in a land, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver who landed somewhere where he could be the number one receiver right away. Uh, this is probably the easiest path, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you talked about Carolina's receiver situation earlier. It's DJ Chark. It is who's probably best as a two and has had injury issues. Adam Thielen, who's 33 years old, again, probably better as a rotational guy. And then they draft Mingo mm-hmm. in the second round. So um, really interesting. They're going to try and build this this Bryce Young to Mingo combination, and it could happen right away. Good size guy that's probably going to play on the perimeter. I've seen Anquan Bolden comps uh, for Mingo. Uh, super intriguing and um yeah at, at this point taking a shot on a guy who could be a number one pretty early i like that a lot yeah no issue with that whatsoever i think Mingo, you know could easily have taken him ahead of charbonnet or ahead of Jaden reed ahead of um you know uh, michael mayer with levis i think he's absolutely involved in that conversation as well i will finish up hmm 
I, I'll go with Sam Laporta. I'll go with that other tight All end, right. third tight end in this year's draft, Lions tight end. Um, again, going to be the starter, you would figure, from day one. Opportunities in that offense. Jared, Jared Goff, you know, has a history of, of finding his tight ends in the red zone. Um, you know, last year it was more the the mix and match post Hawkinson, but Laporta could be the guy. The athleticism's there. Um, you know, again, plenty of plenty of mouths to feed in Detroit, but just think if you can land an impactful tight end, it goes so far. And of course, you know, a little bias. There is that Iowa background, and we've seen mm-hmm. players from Iowa who are at tight ends develop into superstar receivers at the NFL level. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, really interesting to play right away. That offense was so good last season as well. Mike, you know, tight end starts slow, but. You know, as far as these, there, there was a whole bunch of day two tight ends. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think about guys like, um, you know, Luke Musgrave yep. uh, is in that conversation. Luke Shoemaker goes mm-hmm. to Dallas. Starnell Washington in the third round goes to the Steelers. But you have Pat Fryermuth there. Um, and by the way, Musgrave's interesting. You know, I liked him a lot, but they also drafted Tucker Craft in the That's third true. round. The Packers went back to back. They followed that uh, that Ravens uh, that Ravens game plan where they used to yep. take two tight ends. I think it was what Ed Dixon and Dennis Pitta, and then they did it with Andrews and um, Hayden Hurst. That's true uh, as well. They might have done it another time as as well. They love those those going going two tight ends. So mm-hmm. uh, you know who knows? I mean, look it, with um with with both of those situations with Pitta and Dixon, the second guy ended up being the better uh, the better receive the better fantasy tight end for a long mm-hmm. time. Andrews was actually picked after Hayden Hurst. So. Um, that's that's something to keep an eye on there in in Green Bay. But those are some of the other guys. Like I think Musgraves would would be one of the next picks here in our third round. Tank Dell, Josh Downs, Cedric Tillman, Ty J Spears. If you want to go back to running back, he'll back mm-hmm. up Derrick Henry. So so a lot of talent on the board here. Yeah, absolutely. Kendrick Miller there could possibly be in a meaningful uh-huh. role if Alvin Kamara moves on. I mean, so many different interesting spots here. We could do this all day, but we have. Yeah, we really could. You, you might have. You have more important things to do. Um, you're a busier man. Please tell the people where they can check out all the stuff you're doing. Yeah, sure. So uh, content, of course, always at uh, the NFL page and the fantasy page at ESPN.com. I have that my. My annual PDF is already up and continually updated 65 pages of player projections and all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, just just working on content. I actually have a, a rookie projections article coming out, which is why I had some of them stats and tidbits at the tip of my tongue there. Uh, so that should be up, I believe, the middle of next week. Tremendous. Mike, you know it's always a pleasure. We'll have you back on at some point during the offseason, but certainly next year for the 2024 rookie dynasty draft. We should go back and look and see how these have gone. But, Mike, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Always fun, Bill. Take care. All right. Thanks so much to Mike Clay of ESPN. Mike is so smart, so insightful, such a talented like fantasy player in his own right, which is just like his you know backup <laughs> backup job after being, uh, of course, doing such great work for us on Fantasy Focus and doing such great work for us um, here uh, at ESPN when it comes to writing and projections as well. Hope you guys enjoyed our talk with Mike and we'll be back with more next week here on the Bill Barnwell shows. Thanks so much for listening and more is on the way.